Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. I'm tired, but I'm excited after hard knocks. There we go. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. You're always tired. (laughs) The Sin of Our Fathers podcast is brought to you by the new Barbasol Shave Club, the brand trusted by men for nearly 100 years to deliver a close and comfortable shave, now has premium razors. Visit Barbasol.com to order today. And when you're ordering your new Barbasol Shave Club membership, be sure to use discount code BROWNS to receive $2 off your initial order. Now, that special offer only comes from our podcast, from the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. So get $2 off with discount code BROWNS at Barbasol.com today. There it is. All right, everybody. Do it. Hard Knocks. We're fresh off Hard Ooh. Knocks. It feels good. Mark, Just you got made, done you made, watching it. You made the comment during it. This is like a sports fan's dream to have the inside look inside your favorite team. And I, I honestly think that we're kind of taking it for granted to some degree. As oh. much fun as I'm having watching it every week, like it's true. Like there are 31 other teams that don't get to do this right now, and we're getting yeah, the like, front row seat. Especially in this previous episode, especially whenever you saw Antonio Callaway sitting down with John Dorsey and Hugh Jackson in the interaction where they first talked to Antonio Callaway about it. And like Antonio Callaway presenting his case of like what happened, and John Dorsey wants to know like what the situation is. And Antonio was just flustered and went into way too much detail. He's like, I was just at the gas station, you know, and I was pulling out. And then he pulled out of the other he gas did. station. And John, John, Dorsey, John like, Dorsey didn't give a shit about the, why he got pulled over. <laughs> John Dorsey's like, no, that's not at all what I care about. But, like, stuff like that. Like, it just is, like, we were Gators fans, too. So Antonio Callaway, like, we've been following his career for a very long time. But to just see him talking to an authority figure and just, like, how – just hilariously that interaction plays out and how like normal of a conversation that is like i feel like you would expect that <laughs> conversation to have a lot more weight i to thought it. so and it's just kind of like john dorsey kind of played it off like rather casually like for how seriously all the fans and the media like are taking this particular situation that internal conversation was relatively casual no i thought the exact same thing I was like, there should have been more bite to this conversation. Like, imagine talking to your boss's boss with your boss there about something that you messed up about. And, I mean, I think it's good. I think that's the right way to manage people, right? Like, let them know that you're for them and not, like... I think in general, yes. But for someone that's, like, effed up a bunch of times and, like, really needs to, like, understand what's going on, I'm not certain that that is the best way to handle it. I I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but he's done that. He's managed that situation, I'm sure, a countless number of times with people that aren't of the caliber of athlete that Antonio Callaway is. But yeah. So my thing on this, so you saw it even in further conversations, but Hugh seemed to draw a hard line on, all right, I'm trusting you and I'm believing your story on this. You better be telling the truth because if you're not, you're not going to be on this team. Is what he said what are the to odds? Antonio Callaway. Like, I'm just like imagining the hiccup eight weeks into the season when Antonio Callaway has proven to be a valuable contributor to the Cleveland Browns. 
and a similar instance happens, Hugh has to hold to his word in that case. No, he doesn't. Because he just said, as long as you're not lying about this. So as, as long as the story that Calloway's told about this incident holds true, Hugh can just go on and feign ignorance, I guess. And, uh, and that was one of the things that I, I couldn't believe that Antonio Calloway didn't understand how much of a big deal, and that they didn't stress that to him, that it was a big deal that he didn't tell them immediately. They, like, they kind of like did, he said, no, but They did. He they said, said that at, they need to say, like, report anything that happens ASAP. Like, yeah. you have our contact information. Yeah, but that's what it was. It was like, hey, you have my number. Let me know right away. Like, it wasn't, like, seriously, it was a... St- huge problem for us that you didn't tell us that this happened. That, and, pro- that was probably part of the conversation that got edited out, in my opinion. Yeah. In my opinion. That, no, that's, that's fair. Yeah. I but hope so. your comment about how Antonio Calloway described like, what was actually found <laughs> yes. in his car yes. is he was like, like, he was like, He was like, dude, I just like, I found a roach in there. And, he, and like, I am so positive that John Dorsey has no idea what a roach is. <laughs> like, like, so basically what Antonio Calloway is saying is that there's a, the end of the joint that he, someone was smoking, just didn't, didn't get, it got burnt down to a certain amount, and then it was like, oh, we, don't need to, we don't need to smoke this anymore. It's done. There's no more in here. And that's how he was like, that's how he was like pleading his case to John Dorsey. Was like, oh, there was nothing in there. It was this just, doesn't count. It was this just like a roach. It yeah. doesn't count. And John Dorsey, like, I'm positive that that, like, wording that Antonio Callaway used to, like, defend himself meant nothing to John Dorsey. Like, he just didn't even, that didn't, that fell flat on him. And Antonio Callaway's case was not heard. The details. Yeah. That, like, he felt John like Dorsey he immediately go- Googles, what is a roach? <laughs> <laughs> like, he's on his phone. And also the fact that, like, Antonio Calloway doesn't realize that John Dorsey doesn't know what that is. Like, that's what, yeah. that's what blows my mind. <laughs> His lack of like, awareness. How can, how can you not know that someone else wouldn't know what that is? That a guy who wears a sweatshirt like that <laughs> would not know what that word means. Uh, no. Buddy boy, uh, buddy what boy. is a roach? <laughs> oh, buddy boy. <laughs> uh, explain this to me, buddy boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so God, obviously, what a weirdo John Dorsey is. He absolutely, he's a. Character. My favorite part of that whole <laughs> meeting was that he had his little card and he like dropped it and like was like tr- like funneling <laughs> around with his little note card with his information. What, did he have notes about the? Incident I have no idea it? what it was, but it was like a four by six like size card, and he went to set it down on the table and it fell, and he went to grab it and he didn't catch it, and it was like I love that. It was as awkward as awkward could be. It was fantastic. The humanness of it all. Oh yeah. So good. That's amazing. So the episode opened up with Corey Coleman's shoe collection. And when I first saw it, I was like, oh, like Corey Coleman, like I miss him a little bit. Like I wish that he was still on this team. And very quickly, Hard Knocks convinced me that I didn't want Corey Coleman on the Browns anymore. Um, To defend Corey Coleman, they clearly showed like the worst of Corey Coleman, like oh, on I the practice field. Like, oh, I don't take anything that they show on the field as being an accurate ri- representation of what's ridiculous. happened. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous because I follow pretty closely like about five different people's uh, detailed accounts of what happens at practice every day, and it's pretty clearly stated that he had one really terrible day of practice, and that was followed up by two or three like really good days of practice. 
And so it's just hilarious to me to see like how it all gets scripted to tell the story that Hard Knocks wants to show. So then what do you think? I mean, why did Corey Coleman get traded? Because if you follow the Hard Knocks narrative, what we saw tonight, it was because he was playing poorly. He kind of had a bad attitude, probably came into Hugh's office, he was complaining in. about being on the second team and asked to be traded. I think it's an attitude thing. I think it's um, some of the stuff that Ben Albright came out with was just saying like how he was spending his time, like his lack of dedication to being an NFL professional. And I think it was more of a cultural and like a signal. Kind of seems like a dumbass. Like even just like listening. I to hate him to say talk. this about any human being because like I truly value every single living person that God has put on this earth, and I say that like as sincerely as I possibly can. But when <laughs> I think he, you're just about to bring the hammer down. <laughs> when Corey Coleman as he possibly can is the key <laughs> phrase. That, Listen, when Corey Coleman speaks, I want to put my head in my hands every single time and i've there's like not an exception to that i've just like hoped that he wouldn't actually go in front of the camera or the microphone every single time i just like he well he did very clearly walk into hugh jackson's office and it's like why aren't you playing me on first team just trade me then like that is just not the right attitude to have no. like that is and so i think that that is to your question matthew um, the answer is that he doesn't have the right attitude and not someone that we want in our locker room, not someone we want on the team, not someone that we can even work with because I don't think it's a talent problem. I think that's the reason, but it still makes me so frustrated that we traded him for what we got. Like yeah, the, His value as a player yes. on the field, if you just look at that, is so much greater than a future seventh-round pick. And that's so that's what's so frustrating to me. <clears throat> do, you, do you think it was... I mean, he's been on the had been on the block or getting ready to Reportedly. get run out of town for forever. Like this doesn't seem like something that they would do within the matter of hours and just be like, "Yeah, this is the kind of we have an offer. Let's just take it and get something in return." Like you, you feel like they would have their thumb like on the pulse of the market. You would think, but I, that clearly was the market, right? There was no one, because they've been trying to trade him for a really long time, and no one was interested in any way. That was the only thing they ever got. So they were probably wanting to trade him for so long. But he was literally, we traded him at his lowest point. Literally, we could not have gotten any less for what we got for him. And there's a chance that we keep him on our team, and his trade value increases a significant amount just by playing in the regular season and showing some flashes like he showed last year. That's what makes me so frustrated. Uh, Corey Coleman, gone and lost. But we're going to see him in a couple days. That's going to be pretty interesting. Bills and Browns. No. It could be really good or really bad. No, that's perfect for hard knocks. I mean, HBO is just rubbing their hands together in pure ecstasy, excited that Corey Coleman's going to be playing them next week. And, and going and, against Tyrod's old team, too. Like, there, yeah, there's exactly. so there's many storylines. So many storylines. So, Matthew, what do you think? Me and Michael were talking about this. What type of game do you want Corey Coleman to have next week? In two days. When Mark says yeah. next week, he means in two days. Yeah. Yeah. When I just got done watching Hard Knocks, the, the picture was that it was next week. But <laughs> What do you mean what kind of game? Like, do I want him to do well and be like – him proven right or do I want him to shit the bed and yeah 
I mean, that's exactly what I'm asking. I, I kind of want him to shit the bed. That's exactly how I feel too. I want him to like, do like why? Like I don't have any personal affinity for Corey Coleman. I just kind of liked him because he was on our team, and I thought he had like an ability to do well. I don't, I don't really think he was done wrong by, you know. By I have no reason to root for him. No. So my thing is, is that I feel like the he's a talented player, and I kind of want to be justified in my anger about us trading him. No, so, no, like, no, but, but I, I don't because there's so many other reasons that everybody has to like crap on the Browns all the time for making this move and that move. If Corey Coleman comes out and tears it up, it's just going to be another excuse for people to be like, "Oh, look what the Browns are doing." Yeah, but that's Ooh, gonna happen. Uh, that's gonna happen until the Browns like make the playoffs, basically. Yeah, fair, but I'm not gonna root for a situation that's gonna bring another one up. And the funny thing is, is I also last week was like, "Look what the Browns are doing." Ugh, we traded Corey Coleman for a seventh round pick, but I want to be wrong about that because it's in the best interest of the Browns. Okay, so hard knocks this week. It seemed so coach centric versus player centric this week. My absolute biggest takeaway is the fact that he is Hugh Jackson. Like, he seemed like a completely different Hugh Jackson than anything that has ever been portrayed to me in the past through any sort of press conference, even Hard Knocks last week. Yep. Like, he seemed soft last week. He seemed, like, unaware and, like, it was unclear whether he had a grasp on what was going on with the team. Like... And I everything they showed this week, which is, could just be what they chose, the narrative they chose to tell, was him actually taking hold and making things happen and trying to generate and create a culture of winners. Yeah. Well, did you see that story, that, that line that he, that soundbite that he had, where he was saying, you know, Greg Williams is going to have his fire and Todd Haley's going to have his fire, but I'm going to have my ultimate fire. Hugh Jackson had his. He did refer to himself so, as having the ultimate the fire. The ultimate fire. Hugh <laughs> Which brought pretty great. Hugh he brought said I his, had a little bit of that in myself too. Hugh brought his ultimate fire this week on Hard Knocks, and I'm not gonna lie, it made me like him a lot more. This week, this is the most I've ever. Right now, sitting here in this chair, is the most I've ever liked Hugh Jackson in my life. But you guys ride and fall with like whatever you well, see from Hugh Jackson every week. And it's like these little oh, snippets. I, do, I don't have that much information on Hugh Jackson. Yeah, I know, no, I know, but that's what too. I'm saying is like yeah. with every bit of information you, you get, you like take it and you run with it. Where I'm like, I said this last week where you were like worried about that coaching meeting. And I was like, yeah, I'm still worried whatever. about that coaching. It's meeting. not that big a deal. Um, I'm, I'm sitting here this week being like, I mean, that's just what an NFL coach is supposed to do. So, like, I mean, that's kind of what I expect. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's what an NFL coach – like, are you talking about the coaching meeting or are you talking about what you saw from Hugh this week? No, what I saw from him this week. But like, is that what like you – every but, NFL coach – Yeah, but it's not sure. what you but expect what you, to see from him. It's not, not what you've you, seen ever in the past. How could you expect that from Hugh Jackson because you've never seen it? Like, I thought of him as a different person than that. Yes, I do expect an NFL coach to be like, that. And so okay, once I saw so, it... So you've, what do you mean you've never seen it? I mean, you've never seen, like, behind the scenes like this before. So we did I last, did last week. week. Yes, but you, you've seen what's been, like, <laughs> edited and presented 
so like it's it's you can't take that and just make these like wild assumptions and be like, oh, he's terrible. Oh no, he's great this week. Like, but it's, last it's all week just confirmed kind of... everything that I had already like determined in my head. Yes, and so it was consistent with what I had seen or that, heard that in my was head. The problem. And then this week was not the same thing. And so now I'm saying, huh, maybe we have a chance, and maybe he has a better grip than I actually thought that he had on this team. And like Mark said, we don't get much information. So what we see from Hard Knocks is like about the only thing that we can judge it based off of. And what we see on Sundays in the decision-making and in press conferences is essentially all that we've got. So he looked like a complete doofus all the way through last week. And then I was actually seeing things that I want to see from a head coach this week. And that's all I'm saying. And, and it's the first time I've seen that. It, which makes me like him more. And I've yeah. liked him more than I ever have because I'm making my judgments based on what I've I mean. Seen. I don't disagree with you that like he's doing things that I would expect an NFL head coach to do, but there's really legitimately like never been any reason for me to think that Hugh Jackson was doing things that an NFL head coach should be doing until what I saw this week. But then how little faith do you have in anybody else in the organization? Like if he's not doing those things. Like, Very uh, little. We're the like, Cleveland Browns. <laughs> like, what, what, what kind of, of question? Of course I have no faith in them. Are you seriously asking me that question? <laughs> yeah, because, <laughs> I mean, I know we're, we're 1 in 31. Are you asking me how much faith I have in Jimmy Haslam to, like, make, like, pure sound decisions? But but the way the, before, but this like, moment, who would want to come work for Hugh Jackson? Like, why would Todd Haley or Greg Williams or any of these? Dudes because he knows since? Hugh Jackson's an idiot, and he's going to get fired in the middle of the season, and he could be the head coach. No, but so before you, the narrative that we've been painting, that's the narrative not, that that's I've not always what you're been looking painting, for is a that's what I'd be looking for. No, because you don't want to be the interim because the interim never gets a head coaching job, and Unless both they of win. those both of those guys have been the head coach before. Like you're better, you're more likely to get a head coaching job if you go and continue to win somewhere, and then get another interview. Or maybe you're Todd Haley or Greg Williams, and you realize that Hugh Jackson's such a pansy that you're gonna get complete autonomy and be able to just completely like railroad him and do whatever the heck you want. But like the picture that I mean, there's always... a lot of different paths I could take with this, but that's there's that's one that seems prominent in my head. Yeah, no, exactly. The picture that I've always been painting of Hugh Jackson and how I viewed him continually is that he isn't doing anything that a head coach should normally be doing, but that he's weaseling his way into keeping his job. And I've used that term, weasel, yeah. multiple times yeah. on this podcast. So and, and to see this, I'm just explaining myself, gives me a little bit of confidence finally and gets me excited which is just a dream for a fan of the Cleveland Browns to be able to view into the organization and see what our coaches are actually thinking and talking about. And to your point, Michael, it's just, it's just freaking fantastic. And to be clear, I don't even know that all, this is kind of funny to be making this statement now, but all the people listening to our podcast might not have seen hard knocks. <laughs> so we're just talking about like generally how Hugh Jackson acted in this podcast. But like he was do some of the things specifically that he was doing were getting on the players for loafing and like walking around and setting the tone for what the expectation is as a player in the NFL. I will say after Tyrod Taylor told him that that's what he it's should do. It's Tyrod. Tyrod. Yes. 
That is true. It is Terod. Thank you, Joel Batonia, for taking a stand for our man, our quarterback, our leader, Terod Taylor. Um, but, yeah, no, seriously, Terod Taylor came up to Hugh Jackson and was like, hey, you got to point that out in the film room, these people that are loafing around. And then the very next scene, granted, Hard Knocks editing, was Hugh Jackson pointing out the people that were loafing on the field. But it takes, I like, to be able to take something like that and actually enact it, and it wasn't, didn't seem contrived in any way. Like, that was the message that needed to be sent, and he took the feedback and enacted it. So yeah. I'm, I'm on board with that. That is For perfectly sure. okay with me. No, that's, that's good leadership if you can take constructive criticism and implement it. So the beginning of Hard Knocks, they were talking all about Corey Coleman, they were talking about... Um, Antonio Callaway and that whole debacle. And then it transitioned into the preseason game, um, which was really fun to have Baker Mayfield mic'd up to show all the players. And wait, first, we didn't talk about this. The punishment for Antonio Callaway's little slip up was this is, it blows, I'm fine with it, but it blows my mind was him playing football, playing more in the game for having marijuana in his car. And all that stuff. So, like, le- I don't really care about the Antonio Callaway. Like, no, I his, don't either. His getting pulled over and, like, what they found. He had a suspended license. Seems like there's, like, a legit reason for that. He thought he'd paid for it, but there was some sort of clerical error. And he had gun parts in his car. It was literally, like, <laughs> loose ammo and, like, the rubber, like, back strap grip to a pistol. So, like... Which it, is it's it, like it's like a stretch to even say like gun parts. Like, well, to be fair, isn't a good look. You, you but, but it's also not illegal. Like yeah, no, true. Like it, it's not. Uh, there's nothing illegal about that. So like the fact that it's even reported is like what if I had like a sword in the back of like in the trunk of yeah. my car, like or like the part of a sword. It's just like, like media confirmation bias. Yeah. They're just trying to validate. No, it is, validate. and it's and it's and it's crap. And he yeah. he wasn't cited for it, and so so there's like a whole lot of this that was like much to do about nothing. So I don't care really that the Browns didn't do much, but don't come out and say you're punishing him by letting him play. Like that's like you don't have to punish him. That's Not fine. letting him. They're making him. Yes, play. you're making you're making him play. <laughs> like. Choose your verbiage wisely. Are you, are you serious? <laughs> well, and it's hilarious to me, too, because the one thing, if you're like Antonio Callaway's coach, the dude was suspended and didn't play all of last season. And so Haley been, was ragging on him about being in shape like earlier. And in the, like, the one thing he needs to do is to play yeah. and play a lot. So don't couch it as a yeah. punishment. Like just say just we're handling it internally or something. Like do it, what every other team does and just like it's But ridiculous. you can't handle it internally while Hard Knocks has cameras in every single room and nothing is shown. I guess. Uh, but I'm all for the punishment because it got Antonio Callaway more playing time. It got him a touchdown and I think he's looking great. And I do think that it's a ridiculous media narrative that's even causing us in the first place. He's not going to get suspended. There's going to be nothing that's going to come of it, and he got a ton of playing time, which is great because he's going to need it um, without Corey Coleman. Okay, so anyway, so what, I'm going to piggyback yeah, off something go. you just said. Antonio Callaway. I said the Hugh Jackson piece was the biggest takeaway I had from Hard Knocks this week. My absolute favorite part of Hard Knocks this week was that sideline interaction between Todd Haley and Jarvis Landry, where Todd yes. Haley 
took Jarvis Landry to the side right after Antonio Callaway scored his touchdown and said, you need to do whatever you need to do to get that kid on the straight and narrow. I don't know exactly what his words were. But even if he has to live at your freaking house, you need to make sure that he stays in line. And he was like, are you willing to do that? And Jarvis Landry was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope he does. Jarvis doesn't want Antonio living in his house no, with that's his exactly, girlfriend and his like little baby daughter. Like, yeah. That's exactly I, what I was picturing. He's like, I'm not bringing although, that toxic I, energy into my home. I am looking forward to the hard dock scene where Antonio's like moving boxes into Jarvis's house. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would be a, I would, that would make me so happy. That would be a dream come true. Oh, it'd be incredible. Antonio Callaway. I, I have the hardest time putting a... I've been, like, following this guy for a while, and I have the hardest time putting a finger on, like, him and his personality. Like, I just don't understand the guy. Like, really at all. He's just so quiet, quiet that it's, like, so hard to get a read on what motivates him, like, what is going on in that head. I mean, I hope that he, like, attaches to somebody, whether it's Jarvis Landry or somebody else. I think that's gonna be the solution for him. But or if, honestly though, if Josh Gordon actually has his head right, and Antonio Callaway is really trying, while it seems like a toxic situation, it actually could be a very positive situation if they're both, yeah, pressing like pushing each other forward. Yeah. And I don't know. That's here's like, the thing that's about optimistic. Antonio Callaway though. Like, we don't even know if he has substance abuse issues. He might just be stupid. Like, we kicked one stupid one out the door <laughs> and we're replacing him with another idiot. <laughs> no, like, it really like, might be true. Like, we know he's failed drug tests in Flo- at Florida, but that doesn't mean he has a substance no. abuse problem. He just could be stupid. Anything I know about Antonio yeah. Callaway is that he's just been in the wrong crowd all the time. Like, he's never been the ringleader, like, being the guy that's, like, quiet, sending everyone in the wrong direction. He's just been a part of the group. And hasn't yeah. been ballsy enough to actually like do anything about it or walk away. Yeah, I mean that—that's the impression that I have of him. But like I said, I don't have a solid read on him at all. If if Antonio Callaway, if you could force Antonio Callaway to hang out with anybody on the team for like the next three weeks exclusively, who would you who would you pick? Joel Batonio. <laughs> No, it might be Jarvis Landry, actually. It might be somebody like that that is just like really driven to succeed and do whatever it takes to do that. And is it just like complete like personality difference? Right. Like you need somebody that is like similar enough to Antonio Callaway in his upbringing and like background. <laughs> like Joel Batonio. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Joel Batonio <laughs> would be a bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> they would both just be. Looking bored at out of their mind. <laughs> what are they gonna do? Like play video games? Maybe like Just I don't silently. know. Like what they could do? Like eat a meal. It's <laughs> good for people. I don't know. Share meals together. Just do sil- it. Just in silence. <laughs> yeah. No. Jarvis Landry would. That'd be a good call. It's probably a good one. I was gonna say Brogan. <laughs> that dude. Like, make make Brogan just hang out with Antonio all the time. Hard Knocks is changing Brogan Roback's life. No, and it shows... Even if he doesn't make it in the NFL, he's going to have a reality TV show. He could. Like, that guy... No, it's showing that he is fully embracing the bro in his name. He literally asked Baker Mayfield to capitalize the bro at the beginning of his name when he entered it into his contacts. 
Yeah, and Brogan Roback's <laughs> nickname is Broby. All right. I can get behind that. Good and Todd him. Haley used it while hanging upside okay. down on the inversion table. So, <laughs> did he say Broby? Yeah, yeah, he said he? Broby. He goes, I missed he that. He goes, what are we going to do about Broby? So, He's that a, guy, so the coaches clearly, like, see a little something. That was an interesting decision for they, me, actually. They want the him to go game. on the practice squad. In the preseason game, the fact that they chose to just keep Drew Stanton on the sideline but let Brogan, like, play a series or two, like, they clearly want to see something from him. Like they're like intrigued. For I mean, sure. they don't care what Stanton can do. They know they know what Stanton can do. And did you hear Hugh Jackson made a comment about like just talking about the quarterbacks in general and like the work that they're putting in? And his comment related to Drew Stanton was that he's coaching his ass off. Right. It had no, nothing he, to do with his on the field like that's performance. It, he said he's coaching his ass off. He's the highest paid quarterback coach in the NFL <laughs> by far. That's awesome. <laughs> it's it's great. It's fantastic. I mean, it's what we all knew. I mean, I think we talked about this last week. Those quarterbacks seem to know their role, and none of them have like animosity towards the other one. And there seems to be, at least at this point in the game, this could very well change once the season starts. But at this point in the game, they have some symbiosis. It's yeah, kind of working. And they all three played really, really well in this preseason game, which was very exciting. Are you exciting. talking about Brogan as the third or Drew Stanton as the third? Drew Stanton didn't play in the preseason game. Yeah. So all three of the quarterbacks that played in the preseason game played really, really well. Yeah. It's currently – it's a good situation because it's really balanced. Drew Stanton knows that he, he was brought in not to play. Right. Uh, Tyrod's on a one-year deal. Obviously, Mayfield wants to start, but he can look at Tyrod being on a one-year deal. And, like, r- really, if he, Mayfield doesn't play this year, he, you just kind of take your lumps for the year. You know you're going to play yeah, next year. Yeah, worst-case scenario for Baker is he plays you, you sit a year. next year. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, so there's, there's really no reason to be discontent for anybody. Tyrod is the only one who, who it could go sour with if, for some reason, he – like gets benched, but he's and, like the ultimate team player from everything you yeah, hear. Yeah, he's a great dude. He's a great dude, and like even if he gets benched, like it'll be like what happened in Buffalo probably, and he'll go and be a starting quarterback for somebody yeah. else next year. And he'll probably make just, more than the sixteen million he's getting this year um, if yeah. he proves himself to be a, like a really worthy starter. Yeah, that's great. Tyrod's gonna gonna do what Tyrod does, and he's gonna get paid, and he's get, had one of the most interesting careers. Tyron Taylor, so crazy. I never when he got drafted, I remember thinking, uh, that guy's what not was it, like sixth round? Oh, he was like super that? late. Yeah. I remember watching him at Virginia Tech and just He's, thought he, he was, was like good, but good, he was like a college quarterback. But he was good. like a good athlete, good. Not like a I never had the impression that he was a good a quarterback good thrower of the football. I always just felt like he was a better athlete than most everybody on the field. Right. So anyways, let's talk about how the let's transition to the preseason Six, game. Sixth round pick, 180th overall, 2011 draft out of Virginia yeah. Tech. And then he sat behind Flacco for a while and like won the job in camp, basically, in Buffalo. Yeah, it is kind of a great story. So no, but let's talk about. It. I mean, Tyron crushed it in the preseason game. Let's go to the preseason game. He was five for five, had the touchdown to Injoku. It was a beautiful thing. No, it was. Five for five, and and he did you see his comment about liking the up tempo offense? 
about running the fast-paced offense. Apparently, he called all of those plays on that entire drive. On that drive? I like that. My th- So I went back and watched the uh, portion of the first half of the game. I didn't get to watch the whole thing, but I paid special attention on that touchdown play. I remember watching it live and thinking, holy crap, we have like a real quarterback that understands what's going on with the blitz and the defense and exactly where to go with the football. Like the quick decision-making is what stuck out to me more Well, we than haven't anything. had that. Because we haven't had it. Like it's just – Think like, about it was Kaiser last year, and when it wasn't Kaiser, it was Kevin Hogan. And Cody Kessler. And Cody Kessler. <laughs> I mean, goodness gracious. The year before that, it was Cody Kessler and who else? I don't even remember. I feel better about Brogan Roback than any of those guys. <laughs> That's like, not true. That's not true. We were excited about Kaiser this time last year. We, um, we, but now, knowing what I know now. Give me the bro. Oh, man. Give me the bro. I don't want Deshaun Kaiser in any way. I want the bro. But Tyrod, like, is clearly a huge, multiple steps above anybody we've had in recent years, to your point. But what I saw on that play as I went back and looked at it even closer he sees what's going on. He sees the blitzer coming. He looks off the safety real quick, and it's the slightest little like shift left, and then he immediately goes to David Njoku. Like, he knows exactly what the play is, but if he doesn't look off that safety, which takes a half a second, David Njoku doesn't score a touchdown. David Njoku's down at like the 10-yard line because the safety takes two steps in that direction because of the look and it gives David Njoku the touchdown. The subtlety of some of this stuff that happens is what we've been missing in, in a lot of ways. And honestly, some of that stuff you even saw already from Baker, which was kind of nice to see, too. His completion percentage wasn't great. If you just looked at the stats. 11 for 20, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. It might not jump off the page. But what I loved seeing was his comfortability within the offense and decision making and like going through the reads like I did not get the sense that he was a there was no deer in the headlights situation going on with Baker Mayfield in this first start no I agree and um when in hard knocks it was great because you had him mic'd up the entire time and he's running up to players and be like hey this is this is pretty fun Right. And like, since when have we had a quarterback that's like, and we haven't obviously gotten that inside look before, but had a quarterback, like, I don't think Deshaun Kaiser was having fun last year. <laughs> like, I, I don't think he was in any way. Um, and so that's exciting that we have enough talent around someone to give them the chance to be able to succeed. But with Tyrod moving forward, like, he clearly is a much higher level quarterback than we've had in quite some time. He knew exactly on that touchdown throw that he had to Njoku. He knew before he even snapped it what the defense was doing and where he was going to go. He knew that he was going to go to Njoku because he knew what the defense was doing. Um, and I just wonder, where where does this play out? Like, do you think before the end of the season we trade Tyrod Taylor? And no. what – you don't, you think we just let his contract run out? I just, because if, if Baker actually is the level that you're saying that you are excited and you think that he is at, I mean – from a GM perspective, it would make the most sense to trade Tyrod and get something for him before the end of the season. If oh. you if you're not planning on re-signing him and then having that team have the chance to like almost exclusive rights to re-sign him and get a quarterback of that level on their team. It's a bet. I mean, 
I, it I'm depend, not cross it depends it on what happens with other teams. I mean, yeah, and I what mean, their quarterback situation is. If you're a team who you think you're like primed and ready to make the playoffs, and you lost your quarterback, like you might be interested in giving some get, getting a guy like Tyrod. Um, I don't know who that quarter who that team is. Maybe like the Vikings if Kirk Cousins goes down or something. Yeah. The Vikings could but, be. But I mean it's gotta be a team that like has a comfort level with Tyrod Taylor in the first place. If so, the Jags I, it, I like, would say the chances are against it, but I don't think that it's like and it's so much of it's gonna be dependent on where the Browns are sitting at that point. Because if the Browns have a winning record with Tyrod Taylor as their quarterback, no way is John Dorsey canning like trading and shipping off Tyrod yeah. Taylor. They'll they'll do what the Chiefs. Sashi Brown might, but Ty, but John Dorsey is but not he, doing that. He sh- he should. Uh, if we have a winning record, nah. Like if the Browns are sitting at six and four, which is like ridiculous to think. Well, about. It, I don't think that's going to happen. But it's all contingent on how high they're valuating Baker Mayfield in his progress and how good they think he is. But if they do think that he's at the level where he's going to progress then absolutely that's the right decision. And I'm just talking about, like, and I love Sashi Brown with all my heart. I just think you make the right decision every time. Like, what's best for the future of your team every time? Like, no but, matter what. But you, you can't always be, like, you can't always be trading the now for the future. Because then, you never like, you're, all, you're always just, like, pushing the success further and further. So if we're six and four... And we're six and four ahead, and we've started. First of all, that's past the trade deadline, so we can't trade him at that point. But like, say we're four and two with Tyrod Taylor, or you know, and you think Baker Mayfield can play out the rest? There's so many reasons why that would be the right decision. Okay, but here's the thing: like, why haven't you been starting Baker? So either you just need to start Baker because Tyrod's better. Well, then why are you trading him? Because Baker Mayfield's going to be better. But but that's the thing. You're well, do you think okay, well, you're looking so in your line of logic, do you think we're gonna re-sign Tyrod? No. But well, you, but, but but you but have in your a chance line of to logic, win. In your exact line of logic, you would say that Tyrod Taylor is better than Baker Mayfield right now. Yes, so we're but gonna you have re- a chance to win. No, so have, next season you have a chance to win. You're talking about, you, but you're t- Matthew's no, talking but about I'm saying, this season. I'm saying if you're winning with Tyrod, why would you trade him so that you can let Baker win in the future when you have a chance to win now? You're winning games. This isn't but like if you think. But you think Baker's going to all of a sudden walk in and be terrible if you, if you're winning with Tyrod Taylor right now, right? And you're going to be like, he is the best quarterback available. Are you always just going to go with the best person available? Like it. Why would you let Tyrod walk if Tyrod is better than Baker at the end of the season? Like the line of logic because, is because no different. Because the point of doing all of this is to win the freaking Super Bowl, and so if you're winning and you're like in line for a playoff spot, like you can't like cut your team off at the knees by but switching you're not, quarterbacks. You're not cutting them off at the knees because you have Baker Mayfield. All right, but I said, why aren't you just starting Baker over Tyrod then? So because you could. You have a better quarterback, and then you can trade Tyrod to get more value. But you said Tyrod was better before. I'm, this is a stupid argument. So why would you start Tyrod? Because Tyrod's better. Yes. And then you have a better quarterback, and you, and and you, you trade start him. The better quarterback. Yes, you do start the better quarterback. But you're not going to. So why? So in that line of logic, you start the better quarterback. 
Why would you not re-sign Taylor, Tyrod Taylor, to next year? We because could. he's the better quarterback. We could. Is that what you want to do? The sitting here now, no. But it, if obviously not, that's not what you want to do because if, that's what everyone is picturing. What if, we're gonna do if we if we make the playoffs and and we re-sign Tyrod Taylor to be our quarterback, we're not in a bad spot. No, we're not. So I'm confused as to why you would just decide to play Baker even if Tyrod's winning and trade him on the whim that you're projecting he could be good when you have one who's good. Because Baker is good, right? And, like, do you not view Baker as, like, the future of our franchise? Like, I, I'm I talking do, about I the do win- but I'm saying, I'm saying we're six games in and Tyrod's winning. We know he's good. So, like, why are you then risking the gamble of something like your evaluation being mistaken? Because you're selling him super high, right? But there is. But the, it's not going to be. Is, it's not going to be high. What do you think you're going to get? That is taken in the for a playoff team that's also in the same situation that lost their starting quarterback. Do we have any comps for a, a trade like this? The, the Vikings of? traded a first round pick for Sam Bradford a few years ago. Right, the, and then not during the season. It was it was before the season. Yeah. So I don't think there's one in the middle of the season. And then and then Baker Mayfield plays out like nobody that is, values Tyrod as high as people have valued Sam, Sam Bradford. Bradford. I don't know if that's true. People overvalue Sam Bradford so much. They they've done it. Consistently. They shouldn't. I think Tyrod and Sam Bradford are just about the same player. Yeah. In a lot of ways. And we just got Tyrod for a third round pick. But like I just don't I going back to the argument I don't think that Tyrod is going to win the Super Bowl this year with the team that we have, right? And that's like the just because we're winning a couple of games, if a good trade comes in, I'm gonna make that deal, and that is only contingent upon how well Baker Mayfield is doing. If the QB room and the QB coaches believe that he's developing in the way that we've seen so far as far as reading defenses and stuff like that. You're going to lose your team in a heartbeat if you trade away your starting quarterback when you're finally winning after going 1-31. and Every single person who's been in that locker room for that time is immediately going to give up on you. It's an element that absolutely has to be considered. And you, you cannot do that. But why would they? Why would they give not, up? Not well, only, why would they give up when they're still on a winning team? Like, why would you give up when you're still on a winning team? If if Baker be, if Baker all of a sudden sucks because what you're Baker, saying no, no, because no, no, what wait. you're saying is that winning isn't good enough because Tyrod has gone out there and won and he's still getting moved so then and why getting rid of. Why didn't every team quit whenever someone a GM traded Tim Tebow? That never happened because Tim Tebow won all the time. But teams didn't just quit because, like... I mean, but he was throwing for, like, 80 yards a game. Well, winning isn't good enough, (laughs) according to your (laughs) argument. Mark makes a good point. That's a really good, really good test. Like, like it's just not... I mean, not really, because if you even watched, like, the games that Tebow won, like, you would know that they were winning because of defense and they were winning because of things. And... Maybe maybe the Browns are 4-2 and because Antonio Callaway (laughs) returned a million punts. And it had Maybe. nothing to do with Tyrod Taylor. Maybe. But I'm, I'm saying, you, you, you play for the season, and if you're winning this season, you cannot sacrifice the season for the hypothetical future. 
if you're not winning this season, then then absolutely plan for the future. But you, if you're winning, you can't like undercut all the effort that the team's putting in trying to win this season by saying, you know what, we might be better in the future. Like, but you might not be better in the future. So you have to take your chance while you've got it. Okay. Yeah, I, I wanna, hear you. I want to settle. This, I hear you. This uh, heated debate, which I am so glad just appeared on our podcast. Um, um, by saying I don't think either one of you are actually wrong in this case so it it would be a really extreme situation for us to trade this is why we have three people in a winning environment like I think the trade is much more possible if we're more around 500 or just a little below 500 and yes there would be value in that mark to move on from Tyrod when we probably don't have a future with him beyond this year. And Matthew, I think you're right. We are probably not going to move away from a guy that's putting us in position to succeed when our fan base and everyone has been so starved for anything even closely resembling victory in so many years. So anyways, I just saw something that had me excited about the Cleveland Browns that the one position that I am, like, terrified about our depth on, defensive line... This is going to get Browns fans excited, too. Because... Uh, ...is possibly going to have a new player. At least we have somebody working out for us this week. Who knows if he'll actually um, be offered a contract or anything. But Jonathan Hankins of the, o- the Ohio State University, <laughs> who has been a very serviceable professional defensive tackle... Made a Pro Bowl. He's a good defensive tackle, and we do not have very many good defensive tackles. I mean, our starting defensive tackles right now, since Trevon Coley is hurt, is Jamie Meter, who is fine, <laughs> but he's a rotation defensive tackle. Like, he is not a, a guy that you're hanging your hat on in the middle of your defensive line. But you want him to play a few snaps a game. But right now he's starting on the one technique. And we've got Larry Ogunjobi in the three-tech, which is great. But beyond that, it's Caleb Brantley and a bunch of guys that have done absolutely nothing. And Caleb Brantley probably deserves to be in the absolutely nothing category, too. But people know his name. So to add Jonathan Hankins to that group would do wonders. Remind me, why did the Colts cut Jonathan Hankins in the first place? It doesn't make any sense. Jonathan Higgins did this exact same thing last year where he was like one of the top available free agents. He took it all the way through like the middle to the latter part of training camp and then decided to sign with the Colts. But he signed a three-year, $30 million deal. Like it was a hefty deal. Like he's a really good player. Does he just not like training camp? I, I think I, I, I think like, so. Like, is he good There's enough? There's no doubt about it. Is he it. good enough and he just doesn't like training camp? That really doesn't answer my question of why the Colts cut him. I don't know why the Colts cut him. Um, I should ask my buddy. I mean, Colts fan. savvy move by Jonathan Hankins to, like, skip training camp as often as possible. But yeah, why do teams not want him around? He had a few sacks last year from the interior. He started almost every game for them. I so he played a, great. Like he has twelve. He was a sacks. major contributor. He was a second round pick in twenty thirteen out of Ohio State by the New York Giants. Yep, and then played last year for the Colts, and they dropped him after one year. But he was good, like definitely held his own. 
I would I would love the guy on our team. Why did why did the Giants cut him? Or did they not? Did he just play his contract out? I think he played his contract out. Which was what was really surprising. I thought there was like a problem with him. I think he had maybe had an injury the season before and that's why he played it out as long as he did. But then maybe he tasted that nectar and realized how great it was to miss training camp and he decided to play like, forward let's, again let's, this year. Let's do, let's do that exact same thing. <laughs> no, uh, I could imagine full respect for that. I could imagine training camp sucks for a de- defensive tackle. <laughs> Oh my gosh! You're just like brawling, hot all as day balls, all outside. day long. It's so like hot. You're 340 pounds. Like everything Hugh Jackson was saying in Hard Knocks was like, you're not gonna walk anywhere. You're gonna run. Yeah. Do you know how hard it is to run when you're 300 pounds? <laughs> oh, Jonathan Higgins yeah. is more than 300 pounds. Yeah, 325 is what he's listed as. Jeez. So you know it's bigger than that. That's wild. Yeah, that would be great. That'd be great help. Let's talk more about the preseason game against New York that we had. So we had the QB play, which was outstanding. It was a rare occasion to see our quarterbacks vastly oh. outperforming the other team's quarterbacks. I took a lot of pleasure in laughing at Davis Webb <laughs> watching this game. <laughs> Davis a Webb, lot of pleasure. Davis Webb's been terrible everywhere he's gone. He is. I mean, everywhere he's gone, he's only been with the Giants. This well, no, no, but like a Texas Tech and Cal, like he, was, he wasn't actually good. Like I don't know why – he was viewed as this like prospect that could be decent. It was, yeah. but it was so funny. Once La Yuleta, is that how? Am La Letta. La Letta. Once La Letta came in, he was all clearly so much better. Even than even Davis with Webb. the noodle arm. Yeah. yeah, it was not even close. So that was great to but see. But it's a legitimate point that the Cleveland Browns produced more competent quarterback play than the opposing team. For the first time in I don't know how long. Four, four years? Wasn't even close. It was awesome. Yeah. It was it just was awesome. preseason, but still, it was fun to see. And David Njoku, he had two touchdowns in that game. You can't overlook it. Um, that catch in the end zone that Baker threw him, um, it was a great pass by Baker, but still a very good contested catch in the end zone. Um, getting hit down there, just heads up. I, he had those two touchdown catches. And, Matthew, you were saying, I don't really think he had a lot more. I don't think he had a lot more. Uh, you guys are forgetting about the punt that he covered. Oh, uh, the punt he, coverage was great. I mean, he tackled that dude in the open field. It's not fair. It. It's not fair for him to be on punt <laughs> coverage because he's so long and he's so fast and he's so athletic. Like He's so strong, too. Like, yeah. He's just so big. Like imagine having that guy chasing you down yeah. while you're standing still. It's like a grizzly bear like, chasing you. Like, you're... He doesn't look like he's going to be fast enough, but he's, he's fast enough and he's quick enough and he's going to eat you. <laughs> Speaking of quickness, have you watched the replay on that Tyrod Taylor touchdown to Njoku? Like how he just blasts past the line. Past Ogletree. The line? It's Alex Ogletree. Alec, Alec. Ogletree. Sorry. Yeah. And yes, and Alec Ogletree is quite fast. He played safety at Georgia. Yeah. And David Njoku flies past him. Like, just bolts off the line. It's it's kind of fun to see. I'm, I'm kind of giddy. That combination with being so tall, being able to jump so high and go up and get it, is nasty. There's going to be a catch ton. It. I feel like there's going to be a ton of, the point. ton of red zone targets for him all year long. I don't the see why not. The problem is, is once we get in there, I guess it is nice that we have Jarvis who can run really tight routes in the red zone. 
underneath. Because that's another, like, Njoku another going challenge. over top. And if you've got Gordon on one side and Njoku on the other side, you're kind of effed if you're the defense. Or even put him on the same side. Or Duke coming out of the backfield and, like, whatever else could be happening. Shaking I mean, bacon. There's, just, there's, the there's a lot of possibilities. That's the plan. So Njoku looked great. Um, our running back play and our offensive line in run plays did not look great. Um, By far the worst part of the performance. The offensive line as a whole, we didn't get to see a ton of the first team offensive line. So the two tie rod. Yeah, um, it's hard to hard to give a real assessment of that. But even our second string line has a ton of players who've played in the NFL. Should be competent. Often, I mean, we got Sean Coleman, Greg Robinson. We've got. Um, what is Austin it? Austin Ryder at center. Austin Ryder at center. Drango. We got Drango and Corbett was playing left guard. Yeah, they for, kept they for kept most Corbett of, with and the second Drango team. in there with the second team. That should be a like, I mean, I don't want to run in a regular season game with that offensive line, but in a preseason, in the first preseason game in the second and third quarter, we should be rolling against with the that. second team defensive unit. Yeah. And scrubs that might not even make the team, yeah. I'm glad they gave Corbett extra reps because he, Lord knows he needs them now that he's settling in at left guard, it appears. Um, He didn't really have a great game. He was definitely one of the weak links in the offensive line when he was playing with both the first team and the second team. It's probably getting ahead of it, ahead of ourselves, but what's our, if Batonio plays left tackle, what's our other option at left guard other than Corbett? I would say Greg Robinson would be a pretty good option at left Could at be left guard. Could be Drango at left guard when Zeitler comes back to right guard, maybe. But Drango I mean, was worse than Corbett in this game. Which blows my mind. Drango's been serviceable. Yeah, he did he had a bad game, and I'm willing to chalk it up to a bad game. Um, he was he was admittedly like a pretty good left guard his rookie year when he had to fill in for Petonio. And and he did an admirable job at left tackle last year when he was just oh, thrown into the depths. He, he didn't absolutely destroy us, but he was not good. He yeah. was he was a hindrance for sure, but not yeah. as much of a hindrance as I expected as him we to expected, be. Yeah. yeah, it's an impossible situation to be thrown into. So, so I'm I'm just shocked that he he isn't kind of settling in and being like a, but it's a, a good rock question. solid it's guard. a good question if Corbett doesn't prove to be like the left guard that we need as a starting caliber NFL player right now which he very well could develop into that but the last three years he's started at left tackle so I don't know why we should expect him to be able to walk in from day one and be like a high caliber left guard in the NFL like that's gonna take a little bit of time and so hopefully that the light bulb goes off and he can do that. But if not, they do need to have a plan B. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's Greg. I don't know if it's Drango. I it could be, it could be Greg Robinson. It could be one of the other centers. Like we have Austin Ryder. We have Anthony Fabiano who played guard for us. Like when he's been with us in the past, I think he's mostly been running at center though right now. I wonder if that was part of the decision-making whenever they tried to put Greg Robinson at left tackle in practice this week. Was that Corbett is the weak I'm link? Pissed and they did that. was that Corbett might be the weak link and they want to see if Greg Robinson can handle the left tackle position. Well yeah, but it's been clearly stated that Greg Robinson can't oh. play left tackle in the NFL. <laughs> so like really, why are you even trying to give this a chance? 
Like That's he's fair. been given four or five seasons to prove it with multiple teams. Like he can't do it. Okay. He played okay against Scrubs in a preseason game. That's fine. He's not going to be a starting left tackle for the Cleveland Browns. There's like no way. And Betonio played off the charts. For a guy that hasn't played left tackle in the NFL in the four seasons he's been around, like that's insane the way that he played. He crushed it. There's no way we should move away from it. He needs to get as many reps as he can, Betonio. Make sure he's as comfortable as possible in the most important position on the offensive line and figure out the left guard. I agree. We can find completely. We can find a guard. We've got it's well, way a guard easier, is to, way find easier a guard. to find than a left tackle. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I agree one hundred percent. I was just trying to devil's advocate. Maybe that's maybe that's the reason why they the Rams did it. the Rams moved Robinson to to right guard after they signed Whitworth, but then their right tackle went down with an injury and they they bumped him out to right tackle and kind of reshuffled again. So. Speaking of, we wouldn't be the first. Greg Robinson. That was a nice little nugget from Hard Knocks this week when he got so mad that Miles oh. Garrett was just uh, dominating him. <laughs> and Hugh, what's funny that was, is, but that was Hugh another had, Hugh piece. That was Hugh another had Hugh to, piece. Hugh had to jump in. The size disparity between Greg Robinson and Hugh Jackson <laughs> is like, oh my gosh! Can you imagine like jumping in the middle of a fight between yeah. guys Miles the Garrett size of Miles Greg Garrett Robinson. and Greg Robinson? But what happened? I mean, for those who didn't get to see Hard Knocks for whatever reason, uh, they were going at it. Miles basically bull rushed Greg Robinson and pushed him way back into the quarterback. Dominated him. And they kind of had a little scuffle after the, the play was dead, and which is nice to see for Miles, I will say, too. And But then Greg Robinson and him were going back and forth, and Hugh jumped in and goes, Greg, 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 Greg. And he like pulls him to the side and he goes, what I need to see from you is you need to make sure that he's not pushing you back like that. That's what I need to see. And he, and was, he was like, that's what I care about. Yeah. <laughs> like, he didn't care about the fact that they were fighting. He was like, that's yeah. what I care about. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah, I loved it. There was a couple of different attitudes on display, and we saw from training camp today, it obviously wasn't on Hard Knocks, but Jarvis Landry and Terrence, who was Mitchell? It, Terrence Mitchell got in a fight today. Um, I was showing you, Michael. Um, literally, Jarvis Landry got Jarvis tackled Landry's right after he caught the ball, for a fight. and he threw the ball directly at Terrence Mitchell's face. Right after he got tackled, it seemed, by all accounts, to be a perfectly clean play, and he just chucked the ball right at Terrence Mitchell's Where, face. Right after was he got it in up. like a full contact part of practice? Like, was he supposed to be tackled? <laughs> like, that's the I, only thing I can. That's a good question. I didn't look to see if it was shorts or pads on, but. Um, as far as I could tell, it seemed to be perfectly fair. Um, so to that point, I have heard people say this, um, but I think that Jarvis Landry has been among the league leaders in personal fouls over the past few seasons. Like it is like in his in his character. Oh yeah. So, I mean, we've like, we've already seen it. Gear up, Browns fans! Like that yeah. personal foul in the preseason is the first of a handful that here's, are to come. Here's my only request. I'm fine with it. I Eddie. hope that it comes after first downs. Yes, like no, get, that's my get thing a first too. down, <laughs> and then we'll move back 15 yards. Start first and ten, and that's right. exactly what I was about to say. After I a 30 mean, yard play, not no harm done, but it's it's we can recover. It's okay with it. Yeah. It's okay with me. I agree 100. percent That might just be who he is. That's what he does. That's how he blesses them. <laughs> um, so talking about the wide receiver room, um, we haven't talked about this on the pod yet. 
Um, I just want to get it on record. Matthew, I know you really wanted to talk about Des Bryant. Um, That's sarcasm. (laughs) I don't don't want to talk about Des Bryant. specifically said, I don't want to waste the breath on talking about Des Bryant on our (laughs) podcast. Which is, uh, I I, I understand. Part of the reason is because I think it's stupid. I think a lot of the Des Bryant talk was brought up when there was little to no reason to suspect that the Browns were even considering like looking at Des Bryant other than in the way that they look at every available potential NFL player. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, there's a stuff from the first preseason game where Des tweeted that he's going to return John Dorsey's phone calls or whatever, and now he's coming in for a, for a visit on Thursday. So I guess maybe it is something, but... And what, John why Dorsey. We, why and do we John, want Des Bryant? No, I, so I'm with you. And John Dorsey specifically brought it up in the strategist meeting with the strategist. I don't know who that guy was, but they put his tagline on there, and he's the strategist. I loved how nervous he was in that meeting. Oh, it was yeah. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, because he's nervous I'm that very, John Dorsey's going to sign Des Bryant. I'm very familiar with that feeling. Like, I – and I, I – <laughs> he was very uncomfortable – but he also gave me the impression that he had things he really wanted to say, but felt like he couldn't say. Like, he felt like he was just boxed into a corner a little bit. I was like, well, here's the stuff that we put together. These are yeah. these are a bunch of different trade targets. And John Dorsey was like, yeah, what about Des Bryant? And he specifically said, yeah, he's on there. On the Down bottom. at the bottom, he's number 30. <laughs> no, he's 30 he's, years old. <laughs> Oh, is that what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what he's and John Dorsey and was John like 29. 29. Well, he's 29.7. <laughs> Did his homework, at least. Yeah. But but that being said, it makes me think that John Dorsey, at least, is very open to the idea of signing Des Bryant. And I'm with you, Matthew. I don't want Des Bryant on this team. But just let's – we got to talk about it. Who wears number 88 currently? I don't think we have anybody. Man. Destiny. If so, it's a scrub. It's like an undrafted type player. So you don't want Des Bryant on the team because Matthew, here's your here's you can just rattle off a million He's reasons. He's terrible. He's slow. Ever ever since two years ago when he like had that knee injury and he tried to come back too soon. He he hasn't been the same player. He's an asshole. <laughs> he he's only gonna cause trouble in the locker room. We don't have enough footballs to go around to, to keep him happy, keep Jarvis Landry happy, keep all the other guys who we need to actually get involved in the offense who are better than Des Bryant at this point, yeah. getting the necessary touches. Devin Kajust. I have – I yeah, no, absolutely. I would too. And there's to me there's no upside in bringing Des Bryant. I, don't, I could give you a million reasons why we shouldn't bring him on. Why should we? Right. I, I would love to start a heated debate right now. But I don't have. Yeah, a no, reason. I'm with you 100. percent I think we all what's the, feel the what's same way. What's the upside? There is very, very, very little upside. Other this than is a, this the is only thing 2013 possibly like, say is that Browns fans would be happy, and that's the most ridiculous like thing to ever say. He's like a name, and the fact that like a big name would be coming to the Browns could like potentially mean something. But that is in no way how you should be making decisions. You're like right. you, you remember when Randy Moss went to the Titans? That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, it, it just yeah. it would it would be like that. So that's what we think about Des Bryant. Please don't do it, Cleveland Browns. 
let's let the younger guys. Although prove I do themselves. think I'm so excited about this team right now. It's just and bound to happen. I do think mm. that if Des Bryant Did came, you? I don't think it would Hold be on. as catastrophic as you think it would. Like I think it would just Are be you? like a. So I'm looking at Des Bryant's Wikipedia right now. Yes. Do you have any idea what Des Bryant's given name is? Oh, of course not. Desmond. So his first name is Desmond. His middle name is Demond, which is just Desmond without an S. <laughs> so it's <laughs> Desmond Demond Bryant. Huh. That's interesting. <laughs> That's awesome. Was this like, I don't know how I want to spell this, so I'm just going to do it like twice. We're going to do it both and then figure it out later. <laughs> that's right. that's I mean, hilarious. I'd really like Brian. to understand that a little we should, better. We should ask his mother. Yeah. Yeah, we should get her on the pod. Let's see if we, <laughs> let's see if we get Des Bryant's mom on the podcast. We're trying to do that for next week. What do we get if we we'll get actually booker. get Des Bryant's mom on the podcast? I don't know if that would be a good one. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, At least for it'd be a, couple, a nice I've, feather in our cap to be able to like pull it off. But. We all we all know a little bit about Des Bryant's mom. Like it's At least for we know that he na- she named her son Desmond Demond. Okay. She's, Des Bryant's she, mom is an it is like the enabler of enablers. Like there is no way be. she ever like had any discipline in that household. Well, she's busy working. So Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's Hilarious. All right, anything else that you guys wanted to bring up about the preseason game, about Hard Knocks? I think I feel like we bounced around entirely in this podcast, so sure I, did. Don't, I don't hesitate to like bounce back. No, but bounce on back. We didn't talk really about the defense at all in the preseason game. We didn't. And I will say that one thing that stuck out to me was I liked the aggressiveness and our tackling in the open field. I saw Denzel Ward make some really good tackles. Yes. He tackled Saquon in uh, the flat on a play where he just, like, went after his feet. Like, Saquon was trying to give him a stiff arm, and he just didn't have any of it and went right at his legs, and it was a beautiful tackle. He plays so physical for being 178 pounds soaking wet. It was beautiful. And Deron Smith has been getting plenty of love, and I think he deserves it. He had another really great open field tackle. He bounced. He jumped off the screen like two or three times in that preseason. Here's the thing: great. Can we keep three, five safeties on the roster? Do you think? In today's NFL, BBC, I think you can. The problem is, is we have so many linebackers. You feel like you want to keep two, and you can't keep them all. So, but if you count know. BBC as both a corner and a BBC safety, can be a corner, then, but then yes, then yes, you, you might can. sacrifice like a Mike Jordan to keep like a Deron <laughs> Smith. I'll do that. Right, like I, I think that's what it comes down to. Is like. That sixth corner or something like that, you know, you sacrifice. No, that's completely or fair. TJ Carey. Can we just get rid of TJ Carey? That's fine. Come on. He went to Ohio University. Let's not give up on him so He's a quick. local boy. The Bobcats. Um, but your comment about Denzel Ward, that was the most and I optimistic. I loved that hit. I loved that, hit. That, I loved hit, it. that personal foul, like, early on. Oh, I was all for it. <laughs> it's such a... Such a load of crap getting taunting penalties in the preseason. Like, like everybody knows this is yeah. a fake game. Like, but, simmer down, Sparky. But by the book, it absolutely – it was a taunting. Like, he <laughs> yes. was taunting. No, no I know. I'm, I'm, probably I'm blaming our guys. Yes, yeah, so you're I'm blaming Denzel I'm saying, like, like, simmer down, dude. Like, no, it's a preseason game. On an optimistic point of view, imagine if we didn't have the first overall pick and we didn't pick Baker Mayfield how much we would be talking about Denzel Ward for the achievements that he's made on the field, made on the field in that preseason game. We didn't even talk about him once. 
Like, that's reason to be extremely, extremely optimistic. He's the fourth overall pick, and he showed up in that game. It's true. Um, so that's great news. Great, great news. I think that about wraps it up. Um, thanks so much for listening, guys. I hope you all got a chance to watch Hard Knocks. If you didn't, be sure to nab that HBO login from one of your friends. I'm sure you know someone that has it. Um, and then listen to the podcast again. You'll probably understand it a whole lot better. Um, thanks so much for listening, guys. As always, thanks to our Tokyo listeners. Don't forget to shave Barbasol. Um, and when you do that, if you want to buy um, the Barbasol Shave Club, you can cancel or modify anytime you want. Um, if you don't shave very often, you only want the razors to show up every couple of months or twice a year. Whatever you're into, that's what you get with Barbasol. Um, modify anytime, no strings attached. Um, and whenever you buy that Shave Club membership, be sure to use discount code BROWNS because we get money when you do that. And I just can't stress enough how important that is to me. Mark's um, a very self-serving individual. That, I, that I get your money. So um, even if you're not interested, just go ahead and pay that um, small amount of money so that I get a dollar. That'd be pretty neat. Thanks so much for listening, guys, especially you peeps in Tokyo. Go Browns. Thank mm-hmm. you.